center field. Singing John Fogarty center field because I'm all jacked up from that Dodger game. I didn't bet on the Dodger game, and I should have. If I did, I would have bet at Bet Online. Hi, it's Looney from the JT and Looney podcast. We're powered by Bet Online, the number one spot for all pro and college football action. They have a new updated site and interface that looks great. And even more odds for you, props and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to Bet Online and use your phone if you want. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use the promo code to get that bonus. B L E A V. Believe the beautiful podcast network that gives you the JT and Looney podcast. Just for being friends with JT and Looney, you get that 50% welcome bonus. Thanks to JT and Believe and Looney. That's me. Hi. From football, basketball, boxing to your favorite casino games in Vegas, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And right now, the podcast starts. The JT and Looney Podcast. Episode 103. Yeah, I do a show in my my radio show in my underwear, my <laughs> podcast in my underwear. Wow. I know. I'm wearing Batman pajama bottoms, but you can't see them. You can only see the bandwagon Dodgers Marilyn Monroe gangster shirt that I'm wearing. Oh, right you, they do. You should have the shirt of the umpire who, in the home ballpark, called a check swing and strike. <laughs> the home ballpark. And, and so I'm getting, I'm getting as we speak, and welcome to the JT and Looney podcast. <laughs> this is fascinating to me because the Dodgers just eliminated the Giants. This is how much we care about you to podcast in real time, depending on when you're downloading this. And I'm getting killed on social media. What else is new? Because the tweet, <laughs> let me tell you what the tweet said, and you could react to it. Uh, here's what it says. The first base ump can't make that call in the home ballpark. Bad call. My point is, in the home ballpark where the team had the best record in franchise history, and the whole season it was sold out and everybody's drinking micro brews and eating Gilroy garlic fries, they almost sell out every game. You cannot send the fans home on a real check swing. You got to say, I'm not sure because I'm standing behind first base down the foul line. I'm not on home plate. I'm not the home plate umpire. The home plate umpire didn't call strike. The home plate umpire didn't call strike. You can't make that call, as my dad would say, Tom. And, you know, what if he wasn't really paying attention? You know, that could be. It could be like you and me. It might have been, you know, he might not just been paying attention. He might have been thinking about going home like you always do 15 minutes before you're done working. And that's, yeah, it, it is ridiculous. I'd rather err on the side of extending yes. the game and home ballpark or not, get it right. That's the number one thing. Get it right. Absolutely. Not, not so, it's a shame. Not, they shouldn't be thinking conspiratorially like home ballpark. It shouldn't be any of that. It should be get it right. You are playing. That's the reason why they have you in this game. You're supposed to be good. It, 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 I just started cracking up with the image <sighs> of it's like when we were in seventh grade and we never paid attention in class. And then the teacher called us and said, <laughs> hey, and then we're like, you have to say something so you don't know what to do. So you just say something instead of saying Excuse me, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm going to say nothing. 
and the umpire, it's like the home plate umpire points to first, and he points to first, and the home plate um, uh, first plate umpire goes, oh, he's pointing at me? Okay. <laughs> Let's go to dinner. Let's go to the North Beach restaurant, our 10.05 reservation. There's nowhere we can shower and get uh, there in time. Michelangelo's um, North Beach, great place. Yeah, he probably had reservations. And also, here's another thing that really adds to the incredible Dodgers Giants series is earlier in the year the Giants were the Dodgers should have beat the Giants but it was a bad call on a check swing that was actually a strike that they said wasn't and so that's really kind of uh turnabout is fair play that the season ended that way at least for people who have you know trudged through all the games this year like I have well this Dave Roberts says we're recapping what happened at the end of the National League divisional series to lead the Dodgers to the National League Championship Series to take on the Atlanta Braves. The other side is the Astros and the Red Sox. Oh, the cheaters. All the, the, right. the manager that got thrown out and welcome back in. The team that cheated in the Astros. We'll save that for another podcast is that I think if Scherzer, if the ump got the call right and it was a ball, I think Scherzer gets the next pitch as a strike or a pop-up, whatever. But I'll tell you, they bailed out Justin Turner who made an error at third base. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And that, that started to say, I started to say to myself, can you imagine Scherzer, who's a Dodger only because he just became a Dodger, if his legacy with the Dodgers is he blew a game with the lead, he blew a save on the road, and that's the last time we ever see him as a Dodger in that short bit of a window in his career? That, that's, what, that's what made that really dramatic, Tom. Well, yeah, and I, you know, he could have had, he could have had his Buckner moment, uh, yes. the, 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 uh, Justin Turner, and he got taken, you know, and uh, enough helped him uh, avoid that Buckner moment. Yeah, the Bob Stanley on the mound, Ooh. in for Calvin Chiraldi with the Mets. So that that was good. I'm happy that played out. And as you're wearing a Dodger Marilyn Monroe shirt. You get two more weeks of baseball at a yeah. minimum. Where me as a Yankee fan, I don't get two more weeks. And I always say that. That's why I get so frustrated with the Yanks, or all of us get frustrated when our teams get knocked out of the playoffs. Because every seven-game series in the NBA, or in baseball and hockey, you get another two weeks, a week and a half yeah. of traveling time in between. So you live in that moment with your friends and your favorite sports bar and the restaurant you go to after the win and your and, friends. And, and another handful of days during the week when you shouldn't be drinking that you get to drink. It's great. Well, I needed a drink after this week. What was this last week like for you? Well, it's probably the most surreal, the most bizarre, the most unique week of my entire career. And you don't want that in your 25, right? 23 with the Raiders, 25 on radio, what you beg for nothing like this to ever happen. And then it happens. I'm the host of the John Gruden TV show. John Gruden's a good friend of mine. Uh, all this happens with these emails being released and John Gruden's done. And I don't support any of his comments. I don't condone any of them. I believe he should have been taken out of his job either by resigning or he's probably going to get fired. But either way, it happened in the small world that I live in and I had a front row seat to it. And it's something that I wish I never, ever had a chance to sing. I can't believe it happened. I can't believe that these emails existed. I had Mike Florio on my radio show from pro football talk. Unbelievable conversation on why emails on a Washington Redskin at the time, now Washington football team server, took out the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders 
when he was a broadcaster on Monday Night Football. So there's a lot more to the story. And this story's blowing up as we produce this podcast because more and more people want to find out what's going on with the other 650,000 emails that are out there. And the only ones that were leaked were the John Gruden emails. Yeah, a couple things to unwrap there. First of all, when we were talking about this, yeah, it would be like if they did a, an investigation. Best damn sports show period was on 2001 to 2009. It, eight long years, longer than Seinfeld. And if you, they did an investigation of the best damn sports show period in 2021, and they found some emails where I wrote something raunchy and fired me from my KABC job, <laughs> wouldn't that be bizarre? So, so, so that's a, a bizarre part of it. And also, you talked about uh, how, yeah, the, the other 600,000 emails. We're not going to see those. The NFL has run itself like the mafia over the years. Remember when the the uh, the cheating scandal, incredible cheating scandal, the New England Patriots and, their dar- and the darling Tom Brady, it went away. And they burned it. Didn't they burn their investigation or something creepy? Uh, yeah, well, they asked for a cell phone. They, they got his cell phone. Remember the broken cell phone? Oh, that, yeah. They went back and got the cell phone. Yeah, you're on to something. But we didn't What's... get to find out anything we wanted. And the NFL will just ignore this noise about unions and other people and, and, and the yeah. Raiders quarterback saying release them all. And it's just going to go away. We're never going to see any of those other emails. I don't know if that's the case here because. Well, what did Mike and- think? From my conversation with Mike, I asked him what happens next and how can those emails be released and what could happen? Freedom of Information Act. He got very complex talking about, you know, with the public money that's used from some of these NFL teams in certain cities. You can go through one of those cities that use public money. He had a complex. He's an attorney. And it was really cool to have the conversation with him because no matter what happens going forward, John Gruden did what he did to himself. He never thought that those emails, I really believe that coach Gruden didn't even know about those emails, never even thought about them twice. It was friends with me and you, and we would never do this, but me and you having an email conversation seven, eight, nine years ago. And it's frat boy, it's frat boy humor, right? You're talking about this, that, but then it got over the line because the frat boy humor is not supposed to go over the line and start to offend individuals, gays. It's not supposed to, uh, offend other individuals, um, race, creed, uh, and at the, all the people that at this moment, the NFL is trying to bring back yeah. into the fold yeah. or keep in, in, in the fold after all the Ka- Kaepernick controversy and, and black lives matter controversies, etc. cetera. Uh, the commissioner has been trying to make the league more inclusive in every way. And including allowing gay players to just admit that they are. And so it was bad timing in what the topic matter was as well. But as you say, it's not really that you can't believe that he sent those emails. It's that you can't believe what he wrote in them. I can't believe any of it on any level. I never thought that that would happen. And if it could happen to him, who I've been around a lot and and recently been around a lot, I don't want to say it could happen to anybody because most people wouldn't write that. Yeah, yeah, we can probably pretty much say not people we know. Right. Uh, I I always talk about the parties at your house like a Gallup poll of races and orientations and colors and ethnicities. And if if you don't mind me talking out of school, I know you know Bruce Allen. Very well. uh, Maybe better than John. 
and uh, I, and I asked you about your letters to Bruce Allen, and if I can repeat what you said because it shines a light on you, your letters, your letters to Bruce Allen, your emails to Bruce Allen over the years were things like "Good luck Sunday." Yeah, See, or, now that's what John Gruden's letter should have been. <laughs> nice things like "Good luck Sunday." Yeah. So it, what's incredible and what the word surreal is, which I always say on this podcast, no one knows what it means. But now I have a chance to tell you what I, I feel like it means for me. Right. Thursday, I went into the writer facility, went into the restroom, put makeup on, makeup on. And then mm. I sat in a chair and I interviewed the new head coach of the Raiders. And I'm sitting there interviewing him. And the week before that, the exact same time, the, the, the same exact time, I'm, re- I'm interviewing now Rich Passaccia. Tw- tw- a week ago, it's John Gruden. And he comes into that room, and we have a friendship, relationship, small talk, this and that. And we have a private conversation as he's getting mic'd up. And we do the interview, and I'm talking to one of the biggest names in all of sports. Literally, John Gruden, of all the 32 coaches, he's the one right. with the most media experience. You know, Bill Belichick doesn't do do an interview like this every week. Oh, it doesn't know to look at camera one or camera two. Yeah, right. So I do that with Gruden. And then today, Rich Passaccia, nice blue collar lifer coach, special teams coach, really put in a tough situation. And he was done. And I got in my car and I left the facility and I called my dad. I always talked to my dad and I was telling him what I was thinking about. And it was just bizarre that in a matter of seven days, one week, that one chapter of my life closed. I'm not saying it's going to ever co- close with John Gruden. I'm always going to remain friends to my friends when even, even when they make mistakes. Right. But a chapter in my life that I thought was going to be extended out, you know, boat trips, margaritas at the Hooters in <laughs> Tampa, all the things that, you know, we knew we were going to do later on in life. I just said, man, I'm driving back on the 215 freeway to my house in Summerlin, Nevada, going, this is how life changes. This is how quickly life can change. And forget about me wanting to drink with him on a boat 20 years from now. I was thinking about Coach Gruden's wife and his sons and his family because I only knew the good side of him and all the great things he's done for me and my family. So it was a very difficult week emotionally to have to do two radio shows a day to come on and know I was taking call after call after call on this. But it turned out to be very easy radio, Tom, because the topic was very easy to me. He made a mistake. He crossed the line. There was no way he was going to survive it. So now let's talk about how it happened and what we can learn from it. Well, exactly. And uh, one of the things uh, that we all need to learn how to do in life as things change is evolve. And, you know, one of the things I find, you know, it always drove me crazy when we did sports talk radio together on a real radio station. (laughs) That was, uh, you know, I, people would call in and say, these athletes make all this money. Why they, why can't they behave? And no one's saying that here, but it makes you wonder. He was on the top of, on the top of the world, the highest paid broadcaster, I think, uh, in broadcasting, beloved, uh, beloved also for his football mind. And where, where was the anger coming from? I don't know. I, I don't yeah, know. I never saw that side of it. He was yeah. an angry coach. He was an angry coach at times. Right. As Chris Sims said on pro football talk, you know, he needed to have a grudge and to be upset about something to go into every day and coach. Okay. Okay. But he was a phenomenal players coach. He loved his players and his players all loved them. I mean, I saw this week, 
Josh Jacobs, the running back. Derek Carr said he loves the man, not the sin. I mean, Derek Carr was incredible. Derek always goes to religion, which I find refreshing. I like when athletes talk about their religion. You could be Jewish, Catholic, Muslim, Muhammad Ali, Derek Carr, Tim Tebow. I embrace. I like when athletes use religion. That's just me. Not everybody does. My my mother would say be friends with Derek Carr. (laughs) Derek Carr was really nice with his response there, but. Well, you know, we we had we had a, a former colleague, God rest his soul, Big Joe McDonald in, in sports talk. And Joe always seemed to need also to have uh, an axe to grind just to motivate himself. He always had needed to have an axe to grind. And you say and so you're saying that a lot of people you know, that, that Gruden had that same similar type personality. And, uh, you know, that's something because you're always trying to find things that make sense. And for you, you know, I told you about my friend that I've known since seventh grade. Wonderful person. I've had his back. I'll be his friend forever. And he did some jail time recently. He was a lawyer Uh and he was moving money around. And lawyers sometimes do this and they help a little help a little money to themselves. That isn't theirs. And he got caught. And everybody in his community found out about it, and he was persona non grata in his community. But to me, and his mother was one of the heroes in my life as well. Elmira's a small city, as you know. I would never treat him any differently. I, I wrote him. I wrote him a recommendation a letter when he was out on parole or pr- probation, whatever it was. Uh, and to know somebody for you know 100 chapters of their life, and then to have one of their chapters become so famous, it's got to really suck for any human being. You know how you and I have talked about this a lot to have your worst moments mm-hmm. uh, on video or you know, on the news, uh, you know, and the nightly news at 11 or worldwide now worldwide on the World Wide Web. What was it like for you to have your friend's worst moment? blasted out worldwide it's amazing you just said that because my best friend jimmy b said the same thing to me he said imagine if we're all judged on our worst moment and that's really a big part of society when people fail and fail hard and have their worst moment many people judge them that way the rest of their lives and they yeah. shouldn't be judged that way but that's the way it is that's why there are obituaries that in obituaries where you're supposed to say good things as you're saying goodbye to someone there's always a scandal with big celebrities, or they'll always talk about that moment. It'll make it into an obituary. And the other point I wanted to say about this with faith and what's happening now is that if you believe in forgiveness, and I do believe in forgiveness, I think I was brought up that way. Yeah, me too. And I, and yep. I screw up. I always say I screw up five times a day. I'm pretty good at apologizing. Well, I've had when we were little, when we were little boys, our Pope sat down and prayed with the guy who shot him. Yeah. Yeah, I've 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 had a lot of practice apologizing to friends and family, and I probably should apologize more. John Gruden will do that. He'll go around the horn and apologize to everyone because he's the ultimate guy's guy. He's on the I wouldn't say Mount Rushmore of guys, guys, but he's one of the top 10 guys I've ever seen who's a guy's guy. When you walk into the room, he's just one of those guys that everybody turns to and energy that he brings. So I don't know what the next chapter is going to look like for him, but. I'm going to forgive him. A lot of people are going to forgive him. It was, it wasn't a crime. He he didn't kill anyone on a DUI. He didn't do any, he wasn't a sexual assault. And a lot of people are calling into shows reminding me of people and athletes who have done that and have been, been suspended and allowed to play again. I'm not going down this road on this podcast. 
He's getting what he deserves. He wrote those emails. He's in trouble for him, and he will figure out what's going to happen next. But if you believe in forgiveness and you believe in take a look at a, a human being's entire body of work. Right. This was some emails amongst friends, friends talking about issues in the world that they live in in football that had to do with some locker room talk that got a little bit out of control and cost him his career. And it was very sad to see. And uh, on both sides of our American political spectrum, liberal and conservative social political debate, and those were some of the things that were in the emails. We are all, no matter what you, how you identify yourself or how society has labeled you in your politics, um, we are all starting to talk more, and I'm talking about in general because we're broadcasting, like professional wrestlers when we talk about politics. And that is exactly what he was doing in that email, not justifying, just kind of explaining. And on the other hand, when you take a look at what he's done for a living, anybody who works for a living in rooms, you've been in a locker, in a locker room, in the, in the early part, how many people are in the locker room uh, in the summer in Napa over the years, back when you were there? How many, how many was it at 80 when they yeah. first, before they get it? Yeah. yeah. So when you're in a locker room with 60 black guys and 15 white guys for 20 years, you know, you tend not to be a racist, but it doesn't mean you're not going to say racist things. And it doesn't mean you don't have a racist bone, but in general, if you're a guy like Gruden that can walk into a room and be the only white guy and be perfectly comfortable. And I bet you he can, or he is that guy. You and I are guys like that, that um, that it's that's what even makes it harder for him and more importantly, harder for his black friends. And he's got a lot of them. He's got a lot of them. And what's going to happen next now going forward? That's the big story, because we've been through deflate gate spy gate. As you mentioned, that evidence was done and burned at the end and other things that the NFL has the power to say we're done. No, you don't get it. We, we gave Daniel Snyder a $10 million fine, which is a joke. We took him out of football operations for a year, let his wife run the franchise. That's a joke. And then we're going to let the Washington football team come back, eventually build their own new stadium, go down this road because of the way they treated cheerleaders. They slapped them on the wrist. But the coach of an NFL team, 2,500, 3,000 miles away, his career's over. And a football team run by Mark Davis, owned by Mark Davis, has to pivot and hire an interim coach and then go play football games. It's incredible. Where are those 650,000 emails? Everybody should have the right to know of every email. If one person's career has just been destroyed, rightfully so, we're not debating that. What about everybody else in those treasure trove of emails? And the NFL could never say ever again, that they are fully transparent. I'm a, I'm a consumer of the NFL. I'm a season ticket holder. I make my living with the NFL. So my point is, I'm still going to be a consumer. I'm not going to sell my season tickets. But the NFL has a moment here to be transparent. Will they be? I say no. And no. The pressure has to come from fans, journalists, and attorneys who know how to crack this code and how to get in there. 
Well, yeah, and I thought they had no way to crack the code, and I didn't know that any federal or state funds were used. And as Mike Florio pointed out, apparently to you, there may have been some used in this investigation, et cetera. Or, you know, a lot of times that's what happens with coaches. If you coach Penn State and your phone is paid for by the state, and that means everyone's tax money, then they get to see everything, your phone, your phone records, everything, because the people paid for your phone and for your salary. So that's why a lot of times in private universities, you know, they don't have to have as much transparency. The NFL is a private corporation. They don't have to have as much transparency. But as you say, the legal eagles might find a way to get to those e emails. Yeah, and that's the next chapter in this. But the teaching moment to everybody is, and everybody understands this, because the Internet's been around, has been around long enough. I think the next move now from emails goes to text messages. Okay, it goes to pictures. There was a time in sports where all we talked about was men taking pictures of their privates. Right. And yeah. sending pictures of women topless men doing this on text messages. A lot of people have done that amongst their groups of friends. A lot of people have joked around on the phone. I'm just nervous of where the world's going. I got a 20 and an 18 year old son. And we use this moment again to remind them both at college, everything that you put into that server. Everything that you text, you tweet, you put on Instagram, yep. Facebook is going to be with you the rest of your life. That isn't something that Joe Namath, Tom Landry, right. Lombardi, <laughs> right. John Madden had to worry about their entire life. Their now, parents never said, if you take a picture of yourself naked, no face. Their parents, never had, their parents never had to say that to them. And now parents, in my case, an uncle, that's me, had to say that to you know, kids in their lives. Uh, who might not have dads in the house have had to ha give that speech. And you're right. And, and a lot you're, when you make the dovetail to text messages. Yeah, because there are people I, I don't send you emails. We text each other. Yeah. Most of you know, with your with a certain list of friends and you and I have a lot. So let's say it's about 50 to 100. We never email them. We text them. So uh, that was that was one of the things that came up, too, is he, he's a little bit older. So he was emailing his venting. Yeah, just be careful when you press send. You've been hearing that forever and we could yeah. all be better at it. One thing about living in Vegas, we have no views of water unless you live at Lake Las Vegas or you could see one of the little lakes here. Or you're watching, at the Bellagio watching. Yeah, the if you're at the Bellagio, you can look at the Bellagio Lake if you're out at Spago. It used to be olives. <laughs> you're right about I forgot that lake. Uh, but I'm fascinated in the news about how the ports are waiting for all these cargo ships. And they've yeah. been showing some pictures on the news about like 50 to 100 giant tankers off the coast. And I'm dying for them to turn around and show the city. Is it San Francisco, Oakland, Los Angeles, up in Seattle here as we worry about inflation and this new economy under Joe Biden. And will we have our toys for Christmas? Will the <laughs> children get their toys that are stuck in tankers? What about the children? And it goes back to what we talked about on the last podcast. People don't want to work and unload the tanks. They don't tankers. They don't want to drive the trucks out of the port. They don't want to do the work. It's tough to be trained on a crane and take a freaking giant metal box off a tanker and move it and not kill anyone and then drive an 18 wheeler out of the port onto the five and 405 and not kill anyone. Looney, who's going to apply for these jobs yeah. and save the economy? A lot, a lot of people who are told to stay at home 
decided they liked to be at home. <laughs> and, uh, and I was talking about 100 years ago during the Industrial Revolution, we didn't have enough workers, just like we don't now. And we welcomed immigrants with open arms. And now we're trying to build walls, and we need those immigrants to, to unload the toys. So we're going to have to have, uh, you know, we're going to have to have a, a moment with Jesus here to try to figure out what we're going to do with our economy and jobs. And, you know, Americans have almost like Europeans. Europeans don't want to work all day. Uh, they'll, they're happy working at McDonald's and then going out to the cafe at night. And, but they pay them more, a lot more at McDonald's in Europe. But that, and that's another thing here. We've realized, oh, people who feed us are essential workers. We didn't think of them as essential workers before we had a pandemic. So there's been a real evaluation of what jobs are important and not. And there's been a real evaluation of all of our lives of do we really want to do what we were doing once we could actually even start doing it from home. You know, at the iHeartMedia company, they they want people to start coming back in January. And a lot of people are saying, how can I get out of that? And, you know, the people say doctor's notes. All of a sudden, doctor's offices are filling up with doctors writing doctor's notes about people's uh, pre-existing conditions, whether they exist or not. I really do think now, do I want to leave this home studio and go to work at day. I knew you'd I, like it. <laughs> I, I, God, I mean, what? again, when I go into the, well, studio, you're a guy's guy, you're a guy's guy. And you always loved the camaraderie of going into the studio and you were the last one out. Yeah, I like being in the studio. Cause I like the people that we worked with. Yep. You know, that was pretty incredible. The amount of people we worked with, but now I love uh, putting my headset down in between commercial breaks and going to the refrigerator or <laughs> letting the dog out. You'd be amazed that what I can do when if I'm running an interview from earlier in the day or we're doing something, I a I iron. So I iron <laughs> you iron. Yeah, I iron. Oh I, I, what we'll do is I'll wash my nice shirts and then I'll air dry them. And then the next day I'll start ironing when I'm on the radio. Uh, I jump in the pool still. So we'll go to a break at t- uh, 1240 and I'm back at 1246 and I'll get in the pool. Oh, and I'll dry great. off and come back in and I'll pick up the show from there. On the Fridays, you know, I like to have at the end of the week, I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo. Every right. once in a while, a Modelo might be cracked a tad bit early. And it's just amazing how you can walk away and you don't have to see any of your coworkers and the people that you don't know their name and you should. And I apologize. I should know the name of everybody there, but I don't. And I don't bump into them in the break room because my break room now is my kitchen where yeah. no one from work is allowed to come into my kitchen. So I'm getting very used to that. There is a, uh, a an anchor woman named Watley. She Dixie Watley, I think, was on Entertainment Tonight. It's Dixie Watley's sister, and you know, got, she's a journalist in her own right. It would like me to call her something other than Dixie Watley's sister, but I can't think of what her first name is. And she does a morning show on NPR, and she's been having to do it from home. And as she was doing her show from home, a bear. Uh, <laughs> A black bear was picking berries out of a tree right outside of her window. So she had to stop the program and let everyone know what she was looking at because there was a black bear in her window standing, eating berries out of a tree. And see, everybody who's working from home now, and this is our our experiences with microphones, and is uh, is able to you know enjoy their family more. And you know sometimes you do a better job because you don't have to hurry up the last half hour and mail it in. I'm not talking about us, but people in general, uh, because they want to get on the road and beat traffic 
or hurry up and get in traffic. And now people can work hard right up to the very end or maybe a little, a little bit of overtime because they have to just walk into the other room. But is the and world ever, is the world ever going to be fucking the same again? Are we ever going to get back to where the world was? This was such a pivot and such a change due to COVID and lifestyles changing and all the seriousness of the vaccine and people getting sick and surviving or dying and no traffic and light traffic. And then you can go to work. You have to wear a mask. You can take your mask off. Now you can get a booster shot. Like, where are we now? It's 19, 20 months. There are still people holding back on the vaccine, the last of the last holdouts. And now there's some people that could get their third shot, the booster. And I still think the world has dramatically changed in two years, coming up on two years, more so than any two years in my life. I think that'd be fair to say. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so generations of is it generations millions of kids like your son and my godson uh, had their junior and senior years messed with. So there weren't things like proms or there was only proms, but there wasn't even class. It's hard to ask someone to the prom when you don't even bump into them. You're talking about bumping into people at work. How important it is that those relationships, those hallway relationships in high school where you become friends with someone just because you bump into them 14 times because they have a similar schedule or whatever. All the wonderful things that we experienced in high school, you and I, that your son didn't get to experience and my godson didn't get to experience. And so there's a whole generation of of kids who had that and people with far worse things, of course, and death. And I think it was 10% of the population of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. It is, it is the biggest pivot in our lifetime. And especially when people want to reevaluate what they want to do for a living, when they either yeah. got unemployment or were able to do it from home or laid off and realized, I don't want to do that anymore. Everyone's reevaluating. And, and it's probably in a very healthy way that people are reevaluating. Yeah, and it's what you look at. And I'll wrap it up with this when it comes to, you know, I went through what I have to consider and hope is the most unique week I've ever been a part of in my life in media. I cannot can even conceive anything crazier than what I saw since last Friday when the first email came out from Gruden on Demora Smith, then working the Raider game Sunday, pre and post game in front of thousands of people inside at the torch then monday doing a monday night football appearance at a major casino resort my phone blowing up get home get home get home because more of the emails came out and it was going to be a big part of the story and then doing monday tuesday wednesday thursday on the radio interviewing the new coach all this watching a friend's career come to an end but in between that time my son stormed the field at the cotton bowl (laughs) <laughs> the Cotton Bowl, because Oklahoma came back and beat Texas in the Red oh, River. One Bible. of the great college games ever. And my son told me when I talked to him on the phone the next day, he said, Dad, it was the best day of my life. Wow. Oh, great. And great. I paused for a second, and I thought of uh, him going to the NBA Finals with me. And we've been to some great events together, right? right. I mean, amazing yeah. moments in our life in sports. And I, I'm so happy, even though I wish I was there with them, and he was there with guys and gals, and they stormed the field, I said, You know, that made me happy that my son said he had the best time of his entire life with a new group of people in this unbelievable foreign environment to me, the Cotton Bowl. I've never been there. And he had that while my other son flew in 
from his freshman year at Arizona State, and we went to the Raider game together, and we spent the day at a game and had an unbelievable experience. So with all the stuff that I was brooding about and, hey, it's about me, man, my friend, this is what happened, it was good to see my kids experiencing great things in their life and living their lives. Oh, and it's the, the children in your life can put, bring things back to perspective in such wonderful ways. Just like you said there, after the, the hell week you had, to have your son say that, have one of your worst weeks in many ways, at least professionally, to have your son say that changes everything. When our friend and your great mentor, you wrote a book about him, Andrew Ashwood, died. He was our program director at Fox Sports Radio, and he died much too young at age 49. And you texted me or called me to tell me it happened, and I'm sitting in my car weeping. And I get it as I'm crying through my tears, I get a text and it's my godson, Brandon, and he's probably about 12. And he said, I decided what I wanted for Christmas. It's a Jordan Farmer jersey. <laughs> of all people too, Jordan. Farmer. Probably a tough jersey to get back. <laughs> it work for that one. He must have had a three to win a game or something. And it was just such a wonderful moment because it was the continuation of life. This child who had no idea I was sitting in my car falling apart texts that cute Christmas message. And your child uh, lets you know you had the greatest day of his life as you were struggling. Yeah, the, the children can really help us put things back into perspective about the, the constant cycle of life and things will be well. And good way to say that, because you always remind me that, you know, we're not putting out oil fires. Oh, we're my not, God. You know, yes. We're not running uphill at a machine gun nest and we're not uh, military in harm's way. We're not, you know, hanging out on light poles and trying to restore electricity well, during yeah. a hurricane. Well, yeah. Or this people make, right, right now, we're not people who are reevaluating our lives because we were working a coal mine and they closed it down for a while because of because of covid. And now we don't want to go back or a coal mine type of job, which a lot of people have. We don't. And we had never have. We've escaped that nine to five life. And uh, for the most part in our lives have rarely had to get up early unless we wanted to go to a fight or a game. <laughs> and so let's. Uh, yeah. So for, for us to complain, uh, it's always perspective. Share the podcast, everyone, will you share it with your friends? Wow. You listened to the entire 38 minutes and 22 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. Thank you. The JT and Looney podcast is powered by Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.